Hello, livestock friends, and welcome to this edition of Before the Bid. This is a podcast dedicated to the livestock sales industry where we go behind the scenes of the operation and speak straight to the sellers. We discuss topics about the important aspects of their operation, location, the people behind the prep work, and talk about some of the animals that will be offered to you, the prospective buyers. Hopefully, you've got your sale catalog close by. You might have to go look through that pile on your desk. But if not, then you're probably like me and driving down the road or busy with chores around the farm. And that's okay, too. Wherever you are and whatever you're doing, I hope you enjoy this segment of Before the Bid. I'm your host, Andy Howell. Welcome, Livestock Friends, to this edition of Before the Bid. And for the first time on Livestock Before the Bid, we are going to go to the sheep world tonight. And we are going to promote a sheep sale that is uh, coming up here on November 26th. It is the Unique Opportunity Bread U Sale. And it is going to be carried on showstockplanet.com. And again, that's going to be on uh, November 26th, and I am talking tonight with a fellow boilermaker, fellow friend, uh, talking to a guy that uh, he he actually was a guy that helped raise me, I guess you could say, and uh, <laughs> so so this guy and I go way back. Uh, his name's Corey Her, and he's from Her Club Lambs. And, uh, again, as I said, they've got the unique opportunity bread you sale. That's November 26th on showstockplanet.com. So if you want right now, you can go to showstockplanet.com. And we'll get to those use here in just a little bit. But uh, we're going to let Corey uh, talk about the operation and uh, some different things that go on and, and talk about some um, sheep and, and the way that, that they came about uh, in this sheep business and, and some of the successes that they're having. So uh, I want to welcome to uh, Before the Bid, Corey Her Corey, uh, how are we doing? Very good. Thanks for having me, Andy. I appreciate it. Well, good I, talking with you. I appreciate uh, appreciate you coming on here and being the first, the first sheep uh, sale that, that we talk about, and I hope we have a lot more. But uh, again, appreciate appreciate you being the, the first one here. So, yeah, Corey. I'm glad to do it. Corey and Corey is from uh, they're from right around Hagerstown, Indiana, is where the uh, sheep are and and where the sheep can be picked up after uh, the the sale there on stock sh- or on show stock planet. So, Corey, tell us just a little bit about yourself tell us a little bit about your family uh you're you're in the sheep with your brother will and and if you would just kind of introduce us to that a little bit for some of us that that might not know the the background of you guys yeah sure so um andy as you said uh my brother and i will are in partnership with the youth flock um we have uh separate farms but we run the use together kind of utilize multiple facilities to get it done um married uh, to uh, uh, Stacy, and we have two kids, Kendrick and uh, Lydia, that are uh, just now kind of starting their show careers. Kendrick's 12 and Lydia's 8, so we're just kind of getting our feet wet with those two. Um, and then uh, my brother, Will, uh, is married to uh, Christy Herr, um, and I think we talked a little bit about this. Uh, a lot of people know Christy as a, 
a large animal veterinarian here in the area, but she's recently had a career change. She retired from the veterinary world, uh, and she's now the uh, ag teacher at Hagerstown High School. Uh, and they have two boys. Um, um, Andy is uh, actually um, started his master's PhD program at Washington State in agronomy, and then their younger one, Austin, is uh, a sophomore at Purdue um, studying uh, ag systems management. So um, kind of uh, partners in crime, Will and I are, but we're kind of in uh, different stages in our life. Uh, Will and Christy are empty nesters now, and it seems like Stacy and I are just kind of getting started with it. <laughs> you guys are still running crazy. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Good. So, good, good deal. Yeah. Well, Corey, you, you hold a unique... Uh, position at Elanco, and and I'll let I'll let you tell it. We tried to, you, I I let Corey try to explain it to me, but I'm going to let him explain <laughs> explain to you what he does. Yeah, so uh, Andy, I've been pretty fortunate. So um, out of graduate school myself, I went to work for Elanco. It's been a um, little over 18 years now since I've worked for Elanco. I've always been on the um, research and development side. I started on the um, on the research side when I uh, when I uh, went to work there. I did that for about six years, running studies in uh, all food animal species. Uh, my background, from a education standpoint, is swine, but I've done work in um, uh, chickens and turkeys and cattle and uh, and pigs primarily. Um, and then about ten years ago, I went into the regulatory group. Um, and now I manage a group that supports the food animal innovation pipeline for Elanco. So, um, as many people know before, you know, you can use a lot of the medications people are used to using today, whether it's, you know, Mycotil uh, for Elanco, it's, it's Mycotil, it's Remensin, it's Tylen, all those sorts of products. Those have to be approved through regulatory authorities. So, my groups, the um, go-between between our research and development groups and those agencies. So um, primarily work uh, with the U.S. agency, the FDA, and then we also work with the European Medicines Agency. Um, so we, we cover primarily the United States and Europe, our group does, and then we help um, <clears throat> other regulatory folks that work for Elenco get it registered in other parts of the world. So Elenco markets, products, uh, I believe in 82 countries globally. Um, so um, we talk to a lot of different agencies around the world. So it's pretty interesting. Um, it's uh, something a little different each day. Um, I was on a conference call with folks in Japan last night. So um, it, it, it's, uh, it, uh, it, it, it's, like I said, it's interesting and you never really know what's around the corner from day to day. So it keeps things uh, pretty spiced up. Uh, on a weekly basis, that's for sure. Are you sharp on your Japanese language? No, no, <laughs> but I can. I, I I've learned to um, understand English uh, uh, accents very well, whether it be Japanese, uh, French, German, um, all that sorts of things. So I, I can't say that I've I've uh, become bilingual. Um, by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, I'm pretty good at understanding English spoken in a lot of uh, a lot of different with a lot of different accents. How about that? Well, neat. Yeah, neat deal. Working working worldwide. That's that's really cool. That's <laughs> yeah, really yeah. cool. So, 
Tell yeah. us, tell us a little bit about Stacy. She's not really in the sheep industry, but but she kind of carries a big stick as well. Yeah. So my wife Stacy works for Indiana Pork. Um, she started there about three years ago. She's always been in the um, livestock industry as well. She worked for ADM for a lot of years when she finished graduate school. Um, she's worked uh, she's worked on the environmental side, helping uh, farmers um, uh, permit. Um, livestock facilities and then maintain those uh, in part of her career. And right now, last three years, she's worked for Indiana Pork, and she does a lot of a lot of different things. She's still working on the environmental side, helps farmers as they're trying to get facilities permitted into different counties within the state. Um, she's in charge of uh, the research dollars uh, that are provided through the checkoff program. Um, that pork producers pay into. So they do a lot of really good research with those dollars. Um, but then she also has a, a national appointment um, as part of her role um, that, that keeps her busy as well. So um, I, I won't say she's a jack of all trade trades in that, in, in that, with that organization, but she does have her hand in a lot of different things and she's really enjoyed it over the last three years. So it's been really good. I remember when she was doing some of that graduate work in college, and and folks, uh, Corey and I, Corey and I actually lived together in college, and uh, I wasn't kidding when I said he helped raise me. I've known Corey ever since forever, <laughs> uh, and, and I I think yeah. uh, I I think I think uh, Andy Senior and Judd have gotten some of the credit for some of the bad things that maybe Corey taught me. Uh, <laughs> grown up, so uh, uh, so so we do go way back. And I tell this story about Stacy when she was doing her graduate work. I tell it in my classroom uh, at least once a year about uh, when she came home that one time and told us about putting the great big diapers on those steers. Uh, That's in, right. Yeah, Purdue to to collect the uh, to collect the fecal and urine matter and and uh, try to do those studies on that. So yeah, yeah. So so she yeah, came up she, from she, she came up from the very bottom uh, to to where she's at right now, and I, I just think that's yeah. a really cool story. Yep, yep, yeah. She did a lot of interesting stuff in grad school, that's for sure. So, yeah. What you do if you're uh, doing an environmental uh, management program, you uh, you're probably working on uh, the end of the animal that uh, most people don't think about, but uh, might sound kind of weird, but 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 it's pretty important. So. Um, she did a lot of neat stuff. Right, right. Well, neat. Good deal. Good deal. Well, Corey, where where did you guys begin? Um, how how far back does the livestock thing go with you guys? Uh, I know there were there were some really good Burke pigs back in the past. Uh, yeah. Walk walk yeah. us through that a little bit to to kind of get us to to where you guys are today. Yeah. So Will and I grew up on a on a small farrow to finish farm, to be honest with you, I should say my brother did, um, because, um, my dad raised, uh, Berksters and crossbreds. Uh, he sold a lot of breeding stock in my very early days. When I say that, um, you know, I was, um, this was, uh, you know, when I was three, four, five, six years old, um, uh, he did that. Um, and then, um, Dad sold the sows, and we started um, just using our finishing facilities to feed out pigs for Stony Creek Farm, which is a, was a large seed stock operation that a lot of people might be familiar with. And it's day, you know, it was a pretty prominent uh, breeding herd. Uh, so we fed pigs out, uh, a breeding stock out for them, 
And when that transition happened, um, my dad will tell the story that uh, he got really surprised by my brother, Will, who came up to him in one day and said, you know, I'd like to try the sheep thing. So my dad, um, out of character, I would say, uh, he was a pretty frugal individual. Um, he let my brother go and buy five sheep at a, at a, at a open use sale at the time when we were real little kids. Like we're talking about a bread use sale today, but it was a pretty common thing to go by open use. Um, when I was a, when I was a little kid and that's how we got started in the sheep uh, world. My brother bought four, uh, a group of four crossbred ewes, and he went with a neighbor who bought a, I'm sorry, Will bought five crossbred ewes, and he went with a neighbor who bought five purebred Suffolk ewes. And on the way home, they decided to make a deal that they would swap a ewe, and they each got picked out of the group that they bought. So Will came home with four crossbred ewes and a purebred Suffolk ewe. Uh, and that Suffolk U was named Susie, and that was really the matriarchal U that started her club lambs. If you really go back and think about it, it's kind of a neat story. So it wasn't by design. It was just kind of one of those things that happens. I think a lot of us have, have done it right. You start talking on the way home from a sale or whatnot and decide to do something. Well, that's that's kind of how that started. So Will started with those five U's, and it went so well with those five um, Dad went back and bought 15 more ewes at the same sale the next year. So that's kind of how the sheep started um, with us. And then Will had that flock, and Will went to college. It transitioned to me, and then I went to college, and it kind of worked out pretty good because by the time I went to college, Will uh, um, was just graduating from college, um, and he kind of took the flock back over when I went to school. And then I graduated, and we just kept slowly growing it and growing it. So that's kind of how the how the flock started, if you really think about it. And yeah, and you go back to the original story. It's kind of a neat story, I think. Mm-hmm. And where yeah. where are you guys today? Big operation, medium operation? Yeah. No. So um, I would. The grand scheme of things is still pretty small. Um, you know, Will's, Will works a full-time, well, all of us work a full-time job, right? Will does, Christy does, I do, Stacy does. Um, so we have to kind of balance things. So um, we'll breed about um, between 30 and 40 ewes a year um, with a goal of lambing about 30 ewes a year. We always um, tend to sell a set of breads, and a little bit of that, Andy, depends on how our um, – we do have a flush program. A little bit of uh, our lambing numbers depends on how our flushes go. I think you're used to talking to a lot of cattle guys in that in the the flushing programs in the cattle world, right? I mm-hmm. think you're probably used to that. Mm-hmm. It's a little different in the sheep world. Um, so it, I, I know the cattle world can be it can be a little unpredictable, but it can be. Uh, extremely unpredictable <laughs> in the sheep world. <laughs> right. I won't say we're. I won't say we're trying to figure it out, but the, but the cattle world has been doing it so much longer than us. It's a surgical procedure in sheep, so with that kind of brings some risk, and it, it takes some of the predictability out of it. So, again, going back to the number of ewes wool lamb a year, it really kind of depends on how our annual flush program goes is really what, what determines that. Mm-hmm. And, and along, with the, along with the flush, how intensive AI are you guys going with these sheep? 
Yeah. Um, last couple of years, we've been 100% AI. Wow. Um, um, we, we, we did, um, uh, I would say about five years ago. Um, yeah, five years ago, we started um, working with uh, incorporating an AI program uh, into, into our breeding program. Again, it's a surgical procedure, so it's, it's, it's a little more difficult than it is in the swine world or the cattle world. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but we, we started five years ago, and then two years ago, we went to a 100% AI program. We still run cleanup bucks. It's still a really important piece of the puzzle. I would say, you know, our conception rates on average run about 70%. So you still have a decent percentage of the flock getting bred naturally Mm -hmm. um, out of your AI programs if you're going that way. So it's still still important to maintain a strong stud buck herd um, to clean things up and and to have uh, a set of good marketable uh, animals coming out of the spring. And and this has this this flush and this AI thing has paid off for you guys here in the last couple of years, uh, right? We've got you you guys have some you guys have some success stories, uh, yeah. That have that have come out of of this. Yeah, I think I think Andy, it's done two things. I think one, it it's helped like anything. It's helped us concentrate our genetics, right? You can maximize uh, the best animals in your flock, right, by doing this. Uh, and two, right, from a sire standpoint, you can really go out there and, and try to maximize the best sires out there, right? It's pretty hard for Will and I, you know, a smaller flock breeding 40 ewes to, to go out there and compete for the for those this top-tier rams to own them, right? But with AI programs, you can go get a piece of those guys um, by buying a buying a, a fresh straw out of those or buying frozen semen out of them or things of that nature, right? So it really has helped us concentrate our genetics. Um, and it, it's helped us utilize better animals. And, and we have, you know, we've, we've, um, we sold ewes uh, in, in previous sales, uh, bred ewe sales like this. Um, I think I was visiting with you early. We had a really good success of you bought two years ago. Uh, damned the um, ewe lamb that won the Michigan State Fair this year, both the ewe show and the open show. Mm-hmm. So that was a great success. Chris Strong up in Michigan bought her as a bred ewe and then bred her back. And then through our AI program, uh, we sold a buck lamb last year in our spring sale, actually, uh, that went on to, sorry, to reserve grand lamb at, the, at Kansas City. So um, both slick of slick club lambs and Mike kid kid club lambs um, bought 802 and he's been a just a great success story um, Bo's had a lot of success with that buck um, they had a weather on the summer show circuit um, that, that this did fabulous out of him that lamb went on to be the lightweight crossbred champion at the Indiana State Fair uh, and then Evans is in Ohio, bought that lamb out of the state fair and then took him to Kansas City, and he was reserve overall. So um, just a really nice success story that, you know, a couple success stories. You know, you sell breeding stock, and you really hope people have success with it, but then to, to see it come to fruition and really pay off for them, it's, it's really exciting and fun to see. It's fun to get those phone calls, and Andy, I know, I know you know how exactly that feels, but when you get those phone calls, it's really neat. Right, 
Right. Yeah. When when you're when what you're selling is going out there and doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yep. If if folks would go to uh, herclublambs.com. And there is a highlights tab right there, and, and there's a sires tab for sales tab. Uh, they could go to your website and, and see some of those success stories. And there's uh, you can scroll down for quite a while and, and uh, see some of the success stories. So. Yeah, yeah, we've been, we've been pretty fortunate, um, you know, over really, I think you said it, Andy, since we started our AI program, you know, you always have successes with, with, um, with the breeding stock you have, but I think since we've implemented the AI program mm -hmm. and the flush programs, we've probably seen that extrapolate a little bit. I think uh, the the second year we did it, Brooke Bowen bought the bought the weather out of uh, 222 and blurred line. She won the Indiana Show Circuit with mm -hmm. him that year. Um, that was a great success story. We it it, it kind of gets hard to to talk about them. We've had so many sheep go out and do well. Um, and compete on a, you know, a county level, a state level, but even a national level. So uh, it's it's been it's been pretty fun. Yeah, yeah, and I and I'm gonna guess that that when you guys do sell sheep in the spring and and anytime you sell sheep, I mean you've got uh, you've got those sheep for all of those levels, and and I'm gonna sure. assume priced at all of those levels. You know, yeah, we do. It's it's probably, you know, everybody has a different mindset, Andy. Um, I found it real interesting. We we were visiting, you know, we always take a trek um, each winter just to kind of see other programs. And we've been a few new individuals this year that we hadn't really worked with much. And it was really interesting to listen to their philosophies. It made a lot of sense. But, you know, one of them especially that's that's raised a lot of state and national champion weathers, right? You know, he said, when I look at a, look at a program, I don't look at the, the successes they've had on a state or national level. I want to see how many successes they've had at a county level. And if they're really building those up, it really kind of shows you the consistency of the operation. Mm -hmm. um, I think we all know it takes a really special one at a state level at a national level, right? Mm -hmm. um, those animals just don't come along. You know, multiple m multiple animals like that um, from a, a single herd or flock, or uh, you know, they just don't come along in mass, right? Mm -hmm. So he kind of talked about it, how, you know, if you look at that county level and you're seeing a lot of consistency, you're going to have those state champions and those national champions pop out of that just because it shows the consistency of the, of the breeding program. So I thought it was really interesting. Mm -hmm. Good. That's really good. What about, uh, what are some of the sires that you guys are using? And, and you've got some of them, you've got some of these ewes that are in this sale, bred to some of the sires. Again, you go to uh, herclublambs.com, you've got the sires tab there. Walk us through the, some of these sires here just a little bit that yeah. you guys are using. Yeah, Andy, I would say there's there's probably three three arms to it. One is our own, right? Uh, we raised the Jacksonburg buck um, out of the 2014 lamb crop that, that's done just a, a great job for us. Um, uh, the cleanup bucks we've used the, the last couple of years have been sired by him. Uh, we still have semen in the tank on him, and we'll use him every now and again. That's kind of a rarity in the sheep world. Right, you're probably looking at the uh, longevity of a ram of probably about two years. So, mm -hmm. 
talking about a ram that's five years old, right, is is a bit abnormal in our world. Um, I'd say the second part is is when we started the AI program, um, Evan and Graham D of D Brothers had um, generated a buck called Grizz um, that that just did a lot of really good things for a lot of different people. And we've really concentrated on that. I would say Grizz and Sons of Grids, primarily Blurred Lines, was one of the primary ones we've used. Um, really added a different dimension to our flock as we tried to just increase, you know, structure, foot size, skeletal dimension. Some of the things the industry was demanding, that line really helped us do that. And now actually we're kind of, not kind of, we're utilizing even some grandsons of Grizz, you know, rehab. Um, was one of them. Bravo was a son, but then we used Crinkle. He was a grandson of Grizz. So um, we've really used that Grizz line um, really hard, I would say, over the last four years to try to concentrate our flock. Um, you'll see uh, Bear Paw is one we've got some used bread to this year. If you look at his dam, his dam is a Grizz. Um, so it's, we're still using it today. Just, uh, we've had so much success with it. It's worked really well for us. I'd say the third one, um, and again, you'll see a couple using the sale bread to them is this bullseye bucket, Schroyer club lambs. Um, he's been an extremely good outcross for us. The 802 buck I talked about earlier was sired by bullseye. We sold a lot of bread used, um, um, bread to him. And, and we've gotten great comments back on those sheets. So bullseye's a buck that, that we're rolling in now kind of as an outcross as, as we've taken the last four or five years to, to line breed our flock for consistency. It's time for us to kind of find that outcross ram, and bullseye's really kind of been that buck for us. And I'll be honest with you, Andy, he's, that, he's been that buck for a lot of people, right? He is a great sire. Um, the Grand Lamb at Indiana State Fair was sired by him. It, there's there's too many um, lambs to mention that have been sired by that buck, and he's just done a fabulous job. Mm -hmm. Neat. Well, that's really great. Yeah. Again, those guys are those guys are on that website, and boy, you want us to talk about some stout stout really really good sheep. Yep. Yep. Corey, what's your what's your thoughts on the future of this sheep? Uh, project this this sheep thing here in in five to ten years what's your what's your thoughts what's your out, outlooks on that yeah so it's a good question andy i think the i'll be i'll be honest with you i i think the show ring is is kind of is going through a transition right now um you know i i mentioned earlier um just increasing the overall dimension of these animals you know foot size um, the bone they're walking on, the skeletal dimension, right? Um, and by all means, those are some of our goals. I think we've seen that come into fruition, or seen seen that come into the show ring. But I think in a lot of different species, you see it in the cattle world, you've seen it in the swine world. When you add those pieces, I think you can you start seeing the animals being downsized, right? Mm -hmm. And I think the transition, the 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 lamb industry is going through right now in the show ring is, is how small do we want these animals to get right mm -hmm. um and you really got to start thinking about it on the maternal side when you when you get some into some of those really extreme animals on the female side it can start causing you some problems 
uh, during lambing, right? Um, um, so I, I think that's what the transition is. I, I think that the show ring is really demanding these really extreme animals right now, but I think as breeders, we're being a little hesitant because we're afraid of what it might do to the lambing jugs come December, January, February, and some of the, the issues it might cause. So um, I think you'll I think you'll always see those extreme animals in the show ring, right? But I think from a consistency standpoint, we we want that 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 big featured animal. But I hope where we're going is is we're we're trying to make that big featured animal in a bit bigger structure. We don't need them to be huge, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, we really don't want a, an extremely small animal either. So I think that's where you're going to see the industry going. We're going to keep this dimension, but hopefully we start fitting it into a bigger animal. So instead of 140, uh, maybe 130-pound finished animal, you're going to start seeing 140 and 150-pound finished animals. And those animals exist today, um, but I, I hope they become more common. Right, so hopefully that's where we see it go. Is that where you see you got your operation headed? Yeah, you know, Will and I have always tried to concentrate on that. Um, we're trying to add this dimension, but at the same time, I think one of our calling criteria is, you know, um, if we see an animal that we think is too small in structure, right? So, you know, my that that is my ideal. I want a big foot. I want them walking on a lot of structure. I want a lot of skeletal dimension with a really cool front one-third, you know, all the power you can bring with that. But at the same time, I, I, I really don't want it in a small package. I want it into, I want it in a moderate package. I don't want it in a, in a big one. Like uh, the uh, heavyweight lamb at Louisville this year walked into the show ring. The heaviest one there was um, 200 pounds, right? That's not what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, if you can get at that, in some of these later shows where you're showing older, older animals, you know, those, those, those animals weighing 160 to 170 pounds for me make some sense, right? That means those animals had enough, um, uh, uh, skeletal structure to carry that weight, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want an animal that's a year old that's weighing 130 to 140 pounds. That doesn't make a lot of sense in my mind. Right. That animal's too small at that age. So um, hopefully that's where the industry's going. That's where Will and I are trying to go. I think we all have that optimal picture in our mind, and we're trying to breed our animals to fit into that picture the best we can. And I think that's the picture Will and I are shooting for. Mm-hmm. Well, good. That's really good. Yeah. And uh, going to keep keep trying to find new AI sires and, and new yep. new flush sires. and. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I will say this. The other feedback Will and I are getting, so like this 802 buck that we sold, we sold another buck this year, the 920 buck. Um, people are kind of telling us to have a little more faith in the stuff we're, we're raising, right? Mm-hmm. We tend to sell that and then go out and find those AI sires. So you might see Will and I rolling in a little more of our own stuff uh, as we move forward in the next couple of years. But I, I think they got to be the right ones. I think that's why we've been a little hesitant to do that. Um, it's great that they're working for other people, but um, I think we all forget sometimes, you know, there's an animal out there that'll work great for our neighbor that doesn't necessarily mean they'll work great for us, right? Sometimes it does, but sometimes it doesn't. So 
I think we're trying to weigh those and, and uh, um, um, figure out what the best thing is for us to do. But I do think you'll see us roll in some of our own stuff a little more frequently than we have here in the past. Good. Good deal. Yep. Good deal. Let's talk about this uh, this unique opportunity, bread you sale. Yep. Yep. And again, the the unique opportunity bread you sale goes off on November twenty sixth, and it is held on showstockplanet.com. And uh, you've got a couple a couple lots in there, and um, explain explain some of that to us, and, and give us a walk down a uh, walkthrough on on the sale and and everything that that's entailed with this sale. Yeah. So. Andy, I'll say you said it. We probably don't. Um, I kind of mentioned our flock numbers, right? You know, our goal with this sale is is always to have you know seven to ten um, breads for sale. Um, we 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 cut it that a little short this year. There's only five for sale that we were comfortable selling. Um, the goal of this sale traditionally has been always to sell bread yearlings. We've had a lot of great feedback that that folks like to, to buy these young ewes. They don't want to buy an aged ewe necessarily. They feel like they've got some advantages if they're spending money on a, on a younger female that they're going to get more years out of. So you're going to see five ewes in the sale. They're all yearlings. Um, they're ewes that we would be happy to lamb um, if for some reason they don't sell. Uh, the way they're bred, um, both themselves and then the way we have them mated, um, we would be more than happy and comfortable to put them in our lambing barn and lamb them this winter. So um, that's kind of the overall makeup of them. There's a couple sisters in here out of a plush uh, from last year that we're offering and, and just feel really comfortable um, and, and pretty proud to be able to offer these five. The sale, of course, is, a, is an online sale. And yep. it starts to go off. I'm trying to find it. It starts to go off at 8 o'clock p.m. No. Yep. Is that right? Uh, it'll it'll finish at eight, Andy. So, okay. um, um, it'll it'll start um, the the morning of the twenty sixth, and it'll run that entire day, and then um, it'll go on a on a um, on a five minute clock starting at eight o'clock uh, in the evening. Uh, so if there's not any bids after five minutes, then the then the sale would uh, would close. But the kind of gives a stop time for the sale, but then gives people opportunities to put a last bid in or whatnot uh, as we work into the evening. Mm -hmm. It always seems like they wait till the last minute. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So <laughs> as a seller, I'm good with that. Yeah. Yeah. I know as a buyer, that always kind of bothered me, but as a seller, I'm good with that. I shouldn't admit that on this, right? But, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Where, where can, uh, um, where can they get these used? What's what's the arrangement for pickup for these animals? Sure. Yeah, so um, always, you know, um, they can be picked up off the farm. Uh, we are happy to work with folks in terms of getting them delivered. I know in years past, you know, we've, we've sent ewes all, all across the country, and we know it can be hard to, to um, get ewes like to, um, uh, you know, Colorado, California, which we sold ewes into. So by all means, if folks um, purchase a ewe and they're they're pretty far away from us and can't make it to the farm, they can they can give us a call and we'll work something out. Um, the industry elite sale 
is in early December and in Oklahoma. We've sent trailers there in the past, and then we find a, an individual that can haul them the rest of the way. If we have a large set of ewes going to a certain part of uh, the U.S., we'll just send a truck and trailer. Andy, um, I know a lot of times, like Illinois, Iowa can be states that, that buy a lot of animals. So um, if we've got enough mass going that way, we'll just we'll throw them in a trailer and work with people and get them out there for them. Mm-hmm. So best thing is just to give us a call, tell us where you're at and what you need, and we'll do our best to work with you to, to get it done. Mm-hmm. Either either before or after. Uh, yep, yep, talk, for sure, for sure. Before yep. as well. Good. Well, Corey, why don't you why don't you go down through these ewes just a little bit? Uh, tell us tell us a little bit about them, who they bred to, what's 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 the thoughts behind them? Yep. Yep. Sure. Um, so um, if you go on the sales site, you'll notice that uh, I know a lot of people kind of place certain animals in in an order for their sales. You're going to notice we don't tend to do that. These things are in tag order. Um, so the first lot, 807, I kind of said it, you know, she's, she's leading off the sale because of our tag numbers, but I, I think I even say it in the comments that, that she probably is, uh, she's a pretty unique individual. Um, she's a crinkle, um, which is a Grizz grandson that I mentioned earlier out of, uh, a U that we raised 545. Um, I say she's pretty unique. Um, I don't. I don't get to watch all the bread sales, Andy, but I just haven't seen very, Crinkle's a fairly young buck. I haven't seen a lot of youth offered out of him. Uh, those weathers have done a fabulous job in the show ring. You're seeing a lot of rams sired by Crinkle out there as well. So I think it's pretty unique that uh, we're selling a Crinkle daughter um, uh, in the sale this year. We bred with a bear paw, which is, uh, which is also a Grizz grandson. We purposely did that. Um, we tried to line these girls up a little bit it improves predictability um but uh when i say that i think bear paw really fits this girl if you look at her picture she's she just really strikes a silhouette um um she's really pretty to look at she's great in her front one third she's great in her chest four and her lines she does you get behind her she does um um carry a lot of power from front to rear she's got a lot of uh uh, stifle and hip in her, um, but I really think Bear Paul's gonna gonna complement her quite well. Um, the the 545 U is pretty interesting for us. She's been a flush U for us. Um, we flushed. She had uh, 807, and then the next year we flushed her. We think a lot about her. She's probably the best Jacksonburg daughter we've got running around the farm right now. Um, <clears throat> she uh, she was uh, she had a lamb two years ago, a weather that we sold to Dark County, Ohio, uh, that was Division Three champion at that show. I know I'm saying it's just a county show, but if anybody's been to that Dark County Fair, that's kind of like a mini-state fair over there. There'll be about 200 lambs in that show, and it's extremely competitive. So she's really laid down and uh, had a lot of a good seat for us. She's got a lot of U lambs in the keeper pen this year. Um, and she's put weathers in the show ring. So this 807U to me is really intriguing uh, from her mom's standpoint, uh, from her dad's standpoint, and the way she's bred. I just think this could be a real interesting uh, set of sheep. Mm-hmm. Video, videos um, on there, a couple pictures on there, video yep, of this one. Yep, yep. And I think that, Andy, um, um, yeah, I, 
I included a picture with her of her maternal brother that uh, weather that did so well at Dark County a couple years ago. So there's a picture in there of him as well. So um, block two and three, these are uh, these are uh, flush sisters, 809 and 816 um, out of uh, her 222 and Bravo. Um, Bravo is a Grizz son that, that a lot of people have used the last couple of years. He's done a lot of really cool things. And then mom, her 222, I got to tell you, everybody has their matriarchal female, right? Um, whether it's the swine world, the cattle world, the sheep world, her 222 is that for us. Um, she's laid down and had so many sheep for us. She's, she's the mama Jacksonburg. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, I mentioned Brooke Bowen's. A lamb that won the Indiana show circuit a few years ago. Her 222 uh, was his mom. So these two really kind of come with a great genetic package. Um, uh, it's uh, pretty exciting to be able to offer used bread like this. And then, um, like 807, these two are, are bred to bear paw for the same reason. We tried to line that lineage up on the grid side. But again, if you look at if you look at that buck and you look at these ewes, you get really happy of how they complement each other. I really think um, that he will accentuate their positive and then kind of help with some, some of the places they need help with. So I'm pretty excited about these two and what these two could do for folks uh, for sure. Um, the last two, um, lot four and five, um, these are two ewes bred to bullseye. I, I mentioned that bullseye, um, we're utilizing bullseye as our outcross buck. If you look at the way lot four and lot five are bred, they are line bred um, sheep. Um, um, so that's why we bred them to bullseye. Again, these girls are bred just the way we'd want to lamb them. So um, I, I think uh, if folks look at these two, um, um, you, you you really like some things about these ewes. They come at you with a with a lot of uh, I I've said it a lot here as we talked tonight, Andy. They come at you with a lot of skeletal dimension, a lot of foot size, um, and um, I think the way these two are bred, we've had a lot of success breeding bullseye to ewes that are bred this way. So um, uh, again, I'm 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 pretty intrigued to be able to offer these two. Um, not only um, with the way they're, the way the user bred themselves, but I think the way we have them bred to bullseye is really, really intriguing, and I hope uh, people can appreciate that. I think the other thing about these two, just because they are line bred, I think the thing we've seen that do for us, Andy, is it makes those females really flexible. It makes them predictable. Um, and, and what Will and I have found is we can, we can work with that predictability a lot of different ways. It gives us the ability to try different rams at times, and it makes them very flexible. Um, so that's the other thing that I really like about these two. Um, they're lined up, and I think, uh, you know, if people put these two in their flock, they're going to be really happy with them long term because no matter what buck they throw at them, I think they're going to see positive things out of them. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Good deal. You've also you've got a lot six in there. We'll let uh, <laughs> we'll, kinda, we'll we'll let everybody look. Uh, got a walker in there as well. So got the got the boys that don't need the walker anymore. So you guys are going to offer that. 
and uh, yeah. and get that yep. out of there. Yep. So that's, that's that's my nephew. That's my nephew's exercise machine. So when they were in 4-H, my brother built that for them. He did a great job doing it. Uh, it's still in great shape, and it's just uh, it's something we've decided to move on. So I know they're pretty prominent uh, in the in the in the show uh, for the show ring, right? A lot of people use them, and it's a uh, it's a great machine. So hopefully, it can find a good home. Right, so gonna sell that, sell that along with the uh, use. So, again, the use sale. It it is uh, November twenty sixth. It's called the Unique Opportunity Bread Use Sale, and it is on ShowStockPlanet.com. So you can go on ShowStockPlanet.com. You go down just a little bit, and it is right there. The Unique Opportunity Bread Use Sale, and and it will take you right there. If you want to go to uh, her club lambs. You can do that as well. Did I say that right? Yep. And yep. Her, you yep, got it. Her club lambs, and I clicked off of it because I'm on the sales side here. So, uh, but, but her club lambs, you can find all that information there. They've got all of those different tabs that uh, the sires and, and the success stories and and all the different things there uh, that they have that that these guys have been working on for years. And and uh, Corey uh, just. Wanna, I want to thank you for coming on here with me tonight, getting this put together, and and uh, want to wish you luck on the sale there uh, on November 26th. And uh, uh, again, just appreciate it, and and want to wish you luck. Any, I guess, anything else we need to to let anybody know before we before we go here? Nope. I I just want to say thanks for having me, Andy. I know. Uh, when I when I looked at your podcast, it's mostly been uh, cattle sales, which I know is your is, is is your 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 true love i know that's where you grew up and i can really appreciate that but appreciate you having us on and branching out a little bit right uh, into the sheep world and uh, i hope i hope uh hearing some comments if, if folks can listen to this i hope the comments help and uh if folks have questions before the sale by all means will and i are happy to talk with them for sure so appreciate you having us on how can how can they get a hold of you do you want them to go to the website you want to uh, website, our contact information is on there, Andy. Yeah, okay. you can you can uh, find us on Facebook at Her Club Lambs on Facebook. Uh, my number and Will's number are both on the website. So if you uh, just visit there, you should be able to find contact information for us for sure. Okay. And no, the again, the okay. sheep, sheep located at, at Hagerstown, Indiana, and uh, Her Club yep. Lambs, H-E-R-R. And uh, so you can go there, go to their website and uh, find everything that you need. So, again, Corey, appreciate it. I hope that we can get a lot more uh, sheep opportunities here to, to bring you livestock before the bid, and, and we get into the spring a little more. We'll get into the pigs a little bit. So, so yeah, I want to yeah. branch out with this thing too. So, uh, yeah, appreciate, yeah, very good. You, appreciate you being the first first sheep one. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Again, thanks for having us, and uh, – uh, I can't leave you leave you without uh, making sure you say uh, hello to your mom and dad for me. It's been a while <laughs> since I've seen them, so make sure to say hello to Judy and Phil for me, okay? Well, I I will do that, and and uh, yeah, yeah, for those of you that may not know, Corey Corey worked for my dad for a lot of years. So uh, again, Corey Corey and I go way way back, and uh, uh, we uh, had a ha- have a lot of memories. <laughs> yep, yeah, a lot of good ones for sure. A lot of good ones. So all yep. right. Appreciate it, Corey. Thanks Thank you very much. Me, Good luck with the sale, and uh, hope uh, hope everybody comes in and uh, takes a look at those and, and appreciate it, and good luck with that.
Okay. Thanks very much. All right. Thank Have you a good evening. You too. Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Before the Bid. For more information and to learn more about upcoming podcasts and sales, visit us at beforethebid.podbeam.com or Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram pages. For information on being a guest on Before the Bid, please email us at beforethebid at gmail.com or one of our social media pages. Remember, that's beforethebid at gmail.com. Happy sales to you, and we will talk to you next time on Before the Bid.